I'm Matthew Woods, host of Leading Out of the Woods, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. It's just anxiety. You're a young female, you know, you're healthy. And I said, I don't, something's not right. I'm going to just go get it checked out. That's what insurance is for. The ER doctor said the same thing. And then my test results came back that I had had a heart attack. Hey there, I'm Amber Harper, former burned out teacher turned teacher burnout coach, dedicated to helping other teachers like you to grow through your burnout and take your next best steps toward what you want from your career in education and in life. After an embarrassing emotional breakdown in front of my teacher besties, I knew something needed to change, and that something was me. I decided that I wasn't going to settle for burnout as my sentence, as a teacher, mom, wife, or friend, and I knew it was going to take way more than practicing conventional self-care to make the progress I wanted to make. No amount of manicures, bottles of wine, or bubble baths was going to save this girl. Fast forward a few years later, and I've used everything I've learned about teacher burnout and personal development to write a book, build a course, and lead a community of burned-in teachers who refuse to settle for a life of burnout as their forever reality. I've used my burnout as an opportunity to become an active participant in my life, in the classroom and here on the mic, using all that I've learned to teach kids and serve teachers. And you can do the same. The Burned In Teacher podcast is one part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration, and support to help you grow through your burnout and live a happier, more fulfilled career and life. So take a deep breath, my friend, because you're about to take your next best step to becoming a Burned In Teacher. Now let's get started. there burned in teachers welcome to the burned in teacher podcast this is of course one part burnout all other parts action inspiration and support for teachers dealing with burnout this episode is airing on september 13th 2021 and i am smack dab in the middle of week five of my um of my teaching here and I know a lot of you after the Labor Day weekend here in the U.S. have gone back to school. And I think it's pretty safe to say that most of us are now back at it. And as you've heard in the intro here, um, I'm going to be interviewing or sharing my interview with you um, that I did this past summer with Chrissy Crawley. And she is such an inspiration for several reasons. And this, I feel like this interview is multi-layered with many different important messages to take away. One of the most important messages being that you have to listen to your body. You have to listen to your gut. And as I've said for many, many months, if not years, that there's only so much that you can push down before it rises to the surface in some way. So she is going to talk a little bit about how she realized that she in fact did have a heart attack when she thought it was just anxiety. But she's going to also lead you 
through what sort of led to that. I think it's going to be so relatable. So many of the things that she sh- that she shares about her burnout story are things that had happened to me coming, you know, all the way down to, you know, working with a team that really wanted her to do things that they wanted her to do and that she became a yes person because she wanted to fit into a culture all the way to that now reflecting back, which is something you know I'm all about. She realizes that she had different desires in who she served in education. And I think that this is a perfect episode for today. I feel like, do I say that every episode? <laughs> I, I'm just so excited to share this episode with you. She is, she's just a she's just a good person trying to do good work for good people and for kids. And before I jump over into the interview, I do want to make you aware that I am opening up the Burned In Teacher Mastermind. We are going to kick off in mid-October and I'm going to be doing a webinar very soon. So I really encourage you to take the teacher burnout quiz if you have not already. That's going to hop you onto my email list where you're going to get more information about um, a webinar that I'm going to do to help you to begin to think about things a little differently than maybe you ever have so that you don't end up burning out and leaving a career that you potentially really love or that every year you start out loving, like right now here in September, we're kind of still still in that gearing up and maybe even for some of us like me who's in week five, we're starting to actually settle in and even though we've said things are going to be different, maybe we're falling back into those same old habits and mindsets and conversations and groups of people This webinar is really going to help you to think about your thinking. We're going to bring in some metacognition, bring in some uh, reader's workshop uh, language in here for you. So so I encourage you to, to jump on the email list or if you are already on in my email community, stay tuned. You're going to be hearing more about this webinar that's coming up. I know it's going to be extremely helpful in you transitioning from going down that burnout path to backing up maybe a little bit and going closer to a path to becoming a burned-in teacher in 2021 and beyond. You know, I'm also on Instagram. Follow me at burnedinteacher. I've had several people DM me lately about how my school year is going, and I love having conversations with you. So definitely follow me if you haven't already, and send me a DM and let me know how things are going for you. I'd love to have a conversation, and of course, I will have more information about the upcoming Burned-In Teacher Mastermind. Oh, wait. You don't know what the Burned-In Teacher Mastermind is? Oh, okay. Let me let me just quickly give it to you in a nutshell. So you may or may not know that you can join Burned-In Teacher University and the Burned-In Teacher Tribe community anytime. The beauty of that is, is that no matter when you join, you get to take part in the Burned-In Teacher Mastermind where we do live group coaching calls. I hold your hand through the entire burned-in process. And what's beautiful about the mastermind is that I'm not the only one holding your hand, okay? You have people who are helping you go through this process, maybe as a newbie, who have gone through it multiple times. Because once you join the burned-in teacher tribe community, you get forever access to Burned-in Teacher University, which each year is being updated and beefed up even more. You always have access to the Burned-in Teacher Tribe Facebook community. That's our members-only community. And you get to take part in future masterminds, which is that group coaching, that hand-holding, that encouragement, where we are all speaking that burned-in language, especially when times get tough. I know you. I see you. Because I'm there too. 
I know what it's like to be somebody who wants change, who desires change so much, but you don't know who to turn to because no one else seems to want to change anything. They just want to complain about it. And as you're going to hear in this interview, Chrissy Crawley is definitely one of those people that decided, she decided that she had to be the change that she wanted to see. So I hope to see you in the future mastermind and let's dive into the interview. Burn on. Hi, Chrissy. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. I am so excited to talk with you. We have been going back and forth for literal months yes. <laughs> about when to, when to make this work. And it's the, it's the perfect time right now. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, thanks for your flexibility. I think um, we say that a lot in education, that educators are some of the most flexible people you will ever meet because they can just pick up and do anything on the fly. And I feel like that's especially true with all of the communication we've been doing back and forth. So thank you. Yo, you're so, so welcome. So, so tell everybody a little bit about you, what you've done in education, what you do now, just kind of give us a peek into your, your journey. Okay. So, um, a little backstory, both my parents were teachers in um, the same school district where I grew up. Mm-hmm. So I was in this family of educators and growing up in that environment, I never explored or thought of any job outside of teaching. Um, and so I went to school and honestly, I started in um my mom got sick. I'll go back a little tiny bit. My mom got sick at the end of my high school um, career and ended up passing away uh, my freshman year of college. So I always thought that I wanted to follow in the line of service work. And while education is that, I also really had a um, desire to explore nursing. So I didn't initially start in education. I started in a nursing program. Mm -hmm. Um, and I got going with that. And, um, it was one of those things where I started my first year and I thought, Oh no, I have made the wrong choice back out. I was just overwhelmed at the thought of, making the wrong move. And so I knew within the first six months I needed to go Mm -hmm. to my admissions counselor, switch to education. And from there, um, I got my degree in elementary ed. Um, And in Missouri, you are certified um, first grade through sixth grade. Mm -hmm. So I took a teaching position starting in second grade. Loved it but was surrounded by a staff of veteran teachers and a very strong um, school unit that all of the staff, very welcoming, very loving. They made you feel like family. And yet for um, doing some self-reflecting now, 15, 13 years later, I have realized that the younger version of me really just wanted to fit in with that 
staff and feel a part of that culture and that environment. And so um, those first couple of years, I struggled to set healthy boundaries with work. So I was a yes, 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 all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that went even as far as how I taught in my classroom. So my style of teaching, I never felt was authentic because I was working with very veteran experienced teachers. When you walked in their classroom, it was, it appeared to run like a well-oiled machine. Like, and I was having classroom management issues out the wazoo and I could not figure out why. Mm. Um, so I, I really struggled those first couple of years, even though on the outside, I appeared to have everything together and didn't miss a beat. Um, I was really having a hard time finding myself in the classroom. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes complete sense. Complete and total sense. I think that a lot of listeners can probably relate to, I know that was, our stories are kind of aligned in a way that I started my uh, college career out with a nursing degree. Like I was going to go be a nurse. And thank goodness I missed getting into nursing school by 0.01%. It was, it was a sign from the universe because yeah. now it's like, I, I, nope, nursing would not be for me for sure. So I went into education, which was my always something like it was either nursing or education. So kind yeah. of that back and forth for sure. I can definitely relate with starting my teaching career with some very, some veteran experienced teachers. Um, my experience was a little different with them, but I know exactly what you mean by wanting to fit in and wanting to be liked and wanting to be part of the crew. And uh, where I struggled was I did not want to do things the way that they did things because it was very old school. And, and there's not, there's nothing wrong with being old school to a certain point, you yes. know what you're doing and you know, it, it works for you and the kids are learning and, and you've got great relationships with them. I, I get that. And, and it's different for everybody, but Um, for me, I just saw some things happening in those settings that I'm like, I don't want that for my students, you know? Um, and it wasn't, there was no judgment attached. That's just not what I wanted. Well, they didn't want me to not want that. They wanted me to what would they want, what they wanted. And so there was some, there was some clashing there. Um, you're shaking your head. Yes. So is that kind of how it went with you too? (laughs) Yeah. And, and I think that you would say the same thing. I think it was clashing in a kind way and that they felt very um, connected and tied to their practices and what they had done. Mm -hmm. And they felt like they were successful for them. Mm -hmm. So me as a new young teacher, it would automatically work for me, but it, it didn't. And I, I felt this massive amount of like, I was doing something wrong. Mm. When I should have maybe listened to that inner self talk and explored more of what felt true to me and in, mm-hmm. in my teaching style. So is this part of your burnout story? Did this eventually lead to, okay. So tell us a little bit more about that. So, um, I switched grade levels a couple times due to staff turnover. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that time, so, you know, 
working with educators, I feel like it really takes three to five years. And this is just me and my personal opinion to become really fluid in your knowledge of the curriculum, knowledge of the content, knowledge of the developmentally appropriate skills for the kids that you're working with. Mm-hmm. And so once you, once I, once I switched grades, I felt like I was a new teacher all over again mm-hmm. in the same building because I was having to establish different routines and procedures and getting to know that content. So there was that aspect, but I was still continuing to say yes to all of these committees and tasks outside of my classroom, a lot of leadership type work. And so because of that, my plate was starting to become too full and I did not know how to appropriately delegate, kindly say no, um, and stick to just the four walls of my classroom. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, that's just work. Something else that I've learned over the years is, and this is a strategy that um, we can come back to is like really balancing my whole well-being. So because I was taking on so much at work, I was neglecting my working out. I was neglecting my, I was a single mom at this time. So I was trying to like squeeze in one-on-one time with my kiddo, but I always felt like I had papers to grade or lesson plans to do. And he wasn't getting my undivided attention. And my, you know, I, was missing church on Sunday. So my spiritual life was lacking. And all of that was due to the fact that I had this desire or need to please other people instead of working on myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And that led, that really led to me becoming physically ill. Um, I was 33 and I left parent teacher conferences. I said, I don't feel right. I feel dizzy. I have chest pain. I just don't feel good. It's just anxiety. You're a young female, you know, you're healthy. And I said, I don't, something's not right. I'm going to just go get it checked out. That's what insurance is for. The ER doctor said the same thing. And then my test results came back that I had had a heart attack. So no. So, um, it was in that moment that I took, well, I was in the ICU for a few days, but I took the rest of the week off Mm -hmm. and started looking up like an external, like I just did a lot of reflecting on external supports outside of school of like a counselor or, you know, um, a gym that I could go to, to start exercising on a regular basis to, to keep myself physically in shape. But I just started thinking about all of these different pieces of my balance wheel Mm. that were being neglected because I was putting everything into my career. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what made me pause and think like, if I die tomorrow, and I know that sounds horribly morbid, but what truly matters, um, are my family and my close friends. And if I can't have that quality time with them, then 
how good is, how good is this job? Like what, what is, what value, what worth is this bringing? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. to my life. Wow. That is, that just shocks me. I did not know that. I'm so, thank you so much for sharing that because that is, that is like the worst case scenario (laughs) that you are so unbalanced. You are so overwhelmed that you have a literal heart attack and, and it doesn't have to be like this big, severe attack. Like what would have happened if you wouldn't have had, what would have happened if you wouldn't have gone to the doctor, like listen to your body in that way? Cause I know for me, I would have been like, Oh, I just don't feel well. I'll just take some aspirin, you know, or yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, wow, that is really powerful. So, so what did your recovery look like? What did you start doing differently? Tell us, tell us how you looked at burnout now and obvious, an obvious heart attack as a way to change the way you were living and working. So I took that same thought process back to work of like, I use the balance wheel or the wheel of life at home. And I looked at areas that I was neglecting and what was taking time off of or out time out of my schedule that I could have been using to fill up those other pieces of my wheel. Mm-hmm. And I made, um, a call to my, who she's now a good friend, but she was my coach, my at school at work at that time. And I said, do you think it would be bad if I, if I just resigned from this district level leader position, um, on this committee and, you know, just really focused on these two or three goals for my personal growth in leadership and as a classroom teacher she said, no, I think, you know, if that's going to make you feel better and that's going to help you overall call, send the email today. So I did. And I just started looking at using that same wheel of life, but I did it at work and I penciled in all of the work engagements that I was spending my time doing. And I just started removing some of those things from my plate. And I, I had to to say no and let it go and learn that some of the feelings that I get worried about coming back from other people, those are not my feelings to own or to do anything with. Mm. So, you know, if somebody is disappointed or they seem disappointed, that's not a reflection necessarily of me, but maybe, um, just the situation and the outcome from that situation. I've learned to separate the personal attachment from tasks. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has been a huge, huge help. Um, The other thing that I really felt was a positive outcome from this experience was I started reflecting on I say yes to all of these other activities outside of the classroom Mm -hmm. because maybe being a teacher isn't my true calling. And that's what I was trying to do to connect back to the family that I had lost when my mom passed away. And what did I really enjoy about the educational system? And it was just that, like, 
I love to organize. I love to use data. I love to help support other people. And that's where I was spending all of my time at school was I was wanting to help support the systems and practices that were happening across all the classrooms. So on my plan time, I would go and observe other teachers or I would work on our building leadership team committee work instead of devoting that time to my classroom and students. Mm -hmm. That and like the burnout phase, I would say I started really to, I was really able to start identifying what I found interesting and what my passions were. And that allowed me to look for opportunities within education that support the systems piece, like the organizational structures and systems. Mm -hmm. And so I shifted, I was, I actually interviewed for a facilitator position, didn't receive the job and asked my coach, um, can you provide me with some feedback on what I could do to improve? And she gave me specific feedback, switching from more of a leader role to coaching. Mm -hmm. And I spent the next year really working on that. I ended up interviewing for the same position again and got that job as a facilitator the next year and have not looked back. I miss the relationship that I had with kids because I loved seeing them happy and thriving in my classroom. And I loved that they love that, but I truly enjoy, and I can get in like a flow state and it's so stress-free for me because I can devote all my time and attention to the systems aspect of my work Mm -hmm. without all of these other things on my plate. Yeah. So I, I, gosh, for all of the things that you just said and everything that I'm like sitting here, like smiling, like shaking my head, like you're, you figured out that you can't have lots of different people that you serve in this one role as a teacher you, I mean, you can try, (laughs) you certainly, you certainly can try, but if you're, if your title is a teacher, you have, if if you want to achieve a a more balanced life, there is no such thing as, you know, work-life balance. Right. Right. But you have to think about what are my roles and responsibilities as a teacher and how am I going to create a sustainable career or at least, um, at least create sustainable systems in my classroom to serve those people that I was hired to serve. But then in realizing that you really love to serve teachers and you really loved data and you really loved, you know, helping to facilitate other teachers, identifying that as the first step to saying, well, who do I want my people to be? Yes. You know, and and really paying attention to that and leaning into it. uh, That's, that's a huge part of, of the beginnings of, of becoming a burned in teacher is really paying attention to, okay, I have, I'm multi-passionate, which is totally cool, but we also have to remember like you were suffering in in a lot of ways. And obviously it was becoming so much that you were becoming, you know, sick and eventually had that heart attack. Can you tell us a little bit about the wheel of life? And then I also want to hear now what it is that you do. And you have three things that you want teachers to walk away knowing and being able to think about uh, after our time together today. So tell us about the wheel of life. What is that? So, um, honestly, you can find it, find it for free on Google. 
(laughs) If you just Google a balance wheel or a wheel of life, it's a pie. And the purpose behind it is to identify where you are putting your time and energy the most and, and possibly identifying spaces of your life that you're neglecting. Mm. So the wheel of life that, um, and you can get a blank one. So it's whatever areas of your life that mean the most are the pieces of the pie. So for mine, I put family, um, my spiritual life, physical well-being, um, quality time with friends, and then work and a, a few others. And you just shade it in. It's almost like a visual audit of mm-hmm. your time and energy. And I used that same visual audit with my classroom. Um, and then all of the other tasks where I was spending my time and energy. And it helps you see, like I said, areas where you're putting the most time and energy and areas where you're neglecting. And then from there, it's, do you go strengths-based and leverage what you're really good at to support other areas of your life that mean the most? Or do you focus on some of those pieces that you're neglecting and put some strategies in place to make sure that you are increasing time and energy towards those? So, oh my gosh, I have goosebumps. Like this is so exciting. <laughs> I'm definitely, we're, we're going to find a, a great link to put in the show notes of this episode. Yeah. That is something that we definitely need to pay more attention to is, you know, I've, I've, I've compared burnout to being like a fly against a window. Like you, you lack enough clarity to back up and really pay attention to the fact that like we're beating ourselves against this window, trying to break through it because our, our vision is so clouded. But if we step back or fly back and really pay attention to what's happening around us, we realize that there's an open window or an open door, right, right, right over there. And that can be that visual aspect of really seeing what are your high, what are your highest priorities instead of trying to be everything to everybody to being what you need to be and who you need to be for these highest priority pieces of your life. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. You're welcome. So what is it that you do now and how long have you been doing it? And then, uh, and and what do you do in this role? So I currently serve as, um, a statewide facilitator and coach for Missouri's leadership team for PBIS or positive behavior interventions Mm. and supports, Mm -hmm. um, that acronym I will openly say this. Some, some people, it does not rub the right way. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I have found is, um, which I love if you, are you familiar with it at all? I am. I am familiar. (laughs) So, um, a lot of states, um, are shifting to MTSS, you know, us educators love our acronym. So Mm -hmm. multi-tiered system of support, um, the academic side is supported by another acronym, RTI, and then the behavior side is supported by PBIS because it is research evidence-based um, practices. But the framework behind PBIS is using data to support your system. And I often explain the system as your organization or your school, so your district or your school. 
to support best practices in the classroom. And it's this cycle of continuous improvement that then um, we hope creates positive outcomes for not just students, but staff and um, our families and community members as well. Mm. Um, I currently, within this role, support district leadership teams on the alignment of funding and resource allocation, professional learning, coaching and technical assistance, and um, finding local implementation sites that can be model exemplars for um, districts. I see. Yeah, so I, I work mostly now with district level leadership, but um, prior to this role, two years ago, I was serving more in the building aspect. So supporting building leadership teams with using data to support their building practices. Wow. So, so you feel like now you are, you are working to your authentic self. These are things that, that you really desire to do in those times where you were you were a classroom teacher, but you were really wanting to facilitate the, the support to teachers. So you're able to do that through that leadership development. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. So if you were working with somebody who was struggling, or if you were on a podcast sharing with teachers, how they could, <laughs> in yeah. your opinion and your, your experience and with your expertise, what is the first thing that you would tell a teacher to do if they were struggling, like, like we have struggled in, in the past. I think one of the first things that I would tell someone if they were struggling is one, it's okay to struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's okay to be in that space, but nothing in life is permanent. Mm-hmm. I, I struggle with saying this first or last, but I think knowing that life is fluid and we're going to have moments of great success, you know, those peaks and then moments that we struggle and valleys and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But the next piece is really important is that I would find your person or your few people that you can really lean into and get productive and constructive feedback from. So Sometimes it's hard and I, it really took working with a coach for me to understand what productive feedback looked like, Mm -hmm. but it's always a yes. And so, you know, yes, you're doing great. And here might be some offerings that I see could help you. Mm -hmm. So when you find that one, you know, those one or two people that maybe three or four, whatever it looks like that you can really lean in and say, I'm feeling this way. What might, what might you offer to help me, um, and get some feedback that is super, at least speaking from the eye for me, it was very beneficial to have that. Mm -hmm. Well, and what you're talking about here is number one with, with talking about the fact that life is fluid. Like we know that life is not going to be sunshine and rainbows and blue bluebirds and and butterflies all the time. Like we know that. And that's something that I try to be really careful about making sure people know is that being a burned in teacher does not mean that you are smiling all the time and you are 
positivity patty you know all day i mean that's not realistic that's not realistic sorry. like <laughs> I, I snort when i laugh i should have said that at the sorry me too <laughs> I'll edit that out (laughs) if you want me to. Oh my goodness. But, but it's true though, because I think we have this illusion sometimes, especially in the light of social media. And especially if you're a teacher scrolling through Instagram and you're having a really hard time and you see these other Instagram posts of smiling teachers in their beautiful classrooms with their perfect, you know, perfect hair and perfect, whatever, perfect everything, but that's not reality. We don't know what's happening behind the scenes and, and hardship is guaranteed, but, but then your second point about finding your people is that it's okay to have an awful day and go to somebody who, you know, is going to be there for you and to just pour it all out, get the vent, just vent it all out, but then know that they're going to listen and then they're going to say, yes, and what are we going to do? Like, that sucks. I hate that that happened to you. I'm so sorry that you're going through this. And what are we going to do about it? Because those yeah. people won't let you live in that state. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of people stay is in that venting victimized state because it's easy to just yeah. vent it out and then go back to business as usual and not change anything. That's easier. Than you know, and you've talked about working out. I've compared it to like six pack abs. That's why not everybody has six pack abs because it's hard work to change that narrative in your head. But then to also say, okay, I just like cried it all out, maybe beat up a pillow or two. I'm so angry about this. Now, what, if anything, can I do about it? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that that would be a great segue to my third big takeaway is we all have those default habits Mm. that, you know, a default habit of mine is that I am going to like eat chocolate. If I get stressed, I feel like I like frantically need to eat chocolate, but we have to have productive, positive strategies in place for those specific default habits that we know that we, we can go to, and that will work to support better outcomes for us. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if I know that I'm going to be stressed and I know that there's chocolate on the counter, then I should probably at least hide it or try to hide it from myself in whatever capacity that looks like, maybe throw it away. I don't know, but don't buy it at the store Right, um, would probably be the initial solution. But same thing goes in your classroom is, you know, if if you're stressed and overwhelmed and your wheel is spinning, once, once you know that and you can identify it, you then, it then becomes a personal goal to put those strategies in place to support your, your whole overall well-being. And that's something that I have really loved and appreciated learning from other educators on your podcast as well, because like I shared with you before, it was one of, it was actually the first podcast I had listened to. Um, and I felt so connected to you and to your other guest speakers in that sense is I have lived this burned out journey and it really takes finding your people, finding your strategies to crawl out of it and find a better space. Mm. 
I, well, first of all, thank you so much for saying that, that real, that just makes me beam. I'm just, I'm so happy that you found burn in teacher and that not only did you find burn in teacher, but you found us first. I think that just, I, I know that feeling of, well, number one, just like diving into podcasts, like what are, what the heck are these things anyway? You know, and then yeah. finding one that just speaks to you. I totally know what that's like. So I'm so happy to be that, that platform for you. And I, I want to add on to, to what you said, or, or maybe dive into this a little bit more, but you know, you talked about having that chocolate, you know, you know, that that is your default habit. You know, I think that this is, this is where you can get into dangerous narratives about what self-care is, because some people might look at that and say, no, that's how I care for myself. Whenever I'm struggling, I eat the chocolate. I have the wine. I do the bubble bath. I do go for a run, you know, whatever it is, you know, everybody's different and they enjoy different forms of that self-care. But I was just talking to my friend about this um, on her podcast. Alexa Shepard is starting a podcast, the Afro educator podcast uh-huh. soon. And she and I were just talking about this yesterday, the dangers in that thin line between what is self-care and self-indulgence. And then to even go further, that dangerous thin line between self-indulgence and self-destruction. Because what you could do is you could be replacing these very easily confusable terms with, you know, it's okay to have some chocolate. Like I love a good glass of wine. But we all know that if you turn to wine, for example, as your go-to stress reliever to quote unquote, practice self-care, it's only okay to a certain point before you start to self-destruct. Like you're not going to feel good in the morning. You're not going to think clearly, you know, we all know we, most people who've maybe listened to this podcast know what I'm talking about. Like, it's great to go out and have a glass or two of wine or, or maybe even more with friends once in a while. But if that's all you do. If that's where you stop, that's where we are. We are really walking a thin line between that self-care and self-destruction. So I, um, I could talk to you for forever. I feel like just because so many things then spark another thought, but to go back to that balance wheel, Mm. when I had started that I had to find productive habits for each area of my life. And I am a huge, um, list maker. Mm -hmm. So what I started doing is within my lists, I started color coding Mm. and as another simple strategy that on my balance wheel, I color in my physical activity, pink or, you know, church is yellow and work is blue. Well, when I started looking and everything was blue related to work and I had no physical activity, I had to start making lists that included designated time and space for me to put energy into working out. Mm-hmm. And it forced me again to use another strategy that worked for me to support my overall well being. And it's, it almost, it, this whole idea it makes me think about what I love doing with my work is I was using data from my balance wheel mm-hmm. to support my system, yes. my life yes. and the practices that go into it or the strategies that I'm using for life. And it's the same thing with, you know, with work or whatever situation you're in, you, mm-hmm. it could even, I mean, you could use it for family life at home where yes. are we spending all of our time and energy. Yes. So, um, Strategies are huge, but they have, in my opinion, they have to be productive and positive. 
<laughs> well, and they almost have to be, dare I say, data-driven to the point of just simply having a reason for these strategies, you know, not just blindly. I mean, here's the thing. So if you're, I'm, you know about the stages of burnout, right? Like you could be a stage zero, one, two, three, four, or five. Okay. Five be zero being totally burned out. Five being I'm a burned in teacher at stage three, you're trying some stuff. Like you're dabbling, you're seeing what could maybe work and and that's okay to a certain point, but, but if you're really being intentional, if you really are, are seeking that feedback and you're surrounding yourself with those people that are really offering you that positive, you know, those positive growth, um, opportunities, then by stage four, that's when it's like, I know why I'm doing these things. I know what to do when things are off and I know exactly what is working for me again, again, it's not perfect. Right. right. Like we're going to have bad days. We're going to have days. We don't feel like it, whatever, but we know what works for us. And we know what our key, I call them keystone habits from Charles Duhigg. Uh, yeah. You call them uh, default habits, but we know, we know what we stand for. We know what works for us and we know what doesn't work for us. Yes. And I think that's critical, whether it's, you know, burnout at work or burnout at home, mm -hmm. um, your Absolutely. personal and professional lives will always intertwine in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, they're just a part of who you are. And so having those strategies at work and at home just helps your overall well being. So 100%, I, I agree with you on so many levels. And like you said, we could talk forever. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk forever. So Chrissy, is there anything else that you'd like to leave our listeners with today before we take off? Um, just to keep listening to you and your guests. I love it. Um, I love your show, uh, and what you stand for. So I think it's, um, a great message for our educators and leaders out there serving the kiddos in our community. So oh, thank you so much it. for saying that Chrissy. So how can people find you if they want to learn more about, uh, about what you do and how you do it? Um, so I do have a Facebook page with one of my girlfriends. Um, her name is Jamie Greasehaber, but we run Cultivate Positive Space on Facebook just as a group for people to hop in and get positive messages. Um, nothing really more than that, just a positive spot um, in your day if you're on Facebook. And then um, I, you can find my email on um, pbismissouri.org. All right. Well, Chrissy, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I, I love all of your points. They are, they are spot on. And another reminder to, to listeners that, you know, you have, you, everybody's different. Everybody is di in a different season, but we all face hardships, which are also very different. But when it comes to growing through your burnout and looking at it as an opportunity for growth, it's simple, but not easy right? Because yes. what you've said today, I have said in many different ways and several other guests have said in different ways, but it matters so deeply. And when we're talking about our own physical health to the fact that if you don't take care of yourself, you could end up having a heart attack. Like this is the reality of the situation, right? So yes. we've, I've never had a story like that on the podcast before. And in, in my opinion, there is nothing scarier than it getting that bad. Well, it makes it 
with anything in life, it puts things into perspective mm-hmm. of what really matters and finding your passion and what, what you're meant to live for. So mm-hmm. yeah. I feel, I feel lucky in that the worst outcome didn't happen. And yet the best mm-hmm. outcome did is that I made some positive changes and I'm in a great place. So, and that is the definition of a burden teacher. So thank you so much for oh, sharing that with you. us. <laughs> thank you. All right, Vernon teachers, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned in teacher. Burn on everybody. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head over to burnedinteacher.com where you can access the entire vault of burned in teacher podcast episodes and more information about ways I want to help you go from burned out teacher to burned in human. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you would head over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating about the Burned In Teacher podcast. Until next time, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a Burned In Teacher. Burn on.